In this edition of Emergence, we're talking to Jeff Hammond about FMD in Africa and the AgriZelts FMD Challenge. Welcome to Emergence, brought to you by MSD Animal Health and hosted by me, Alistair King. In this episode, I have the chance to catch up with Jeff Hammond. Many of you will know him from his previous work at the World Reference Laboratory for FMD in Purbright, and he is a leading expert in FMD. He's recently taken on the role as consultant for the AgriZelts FMD Vaccine Challenge, and he's been looking at FMD in Africa and what's needed. I had a great opportunity to talk to him and learn a bit more about what he's doing and what he hopes to achieve. Jeff, thanks for joining me. It's a long time since we first met. In fact, I think you're one of the first people who introduced me to all the complexities of FMD when you were working at Purbright and I first moved into the role working international veterinary health. But we met a couple of months ago at the EU FMD meeting on vaccine security. So it was great hearing about what you're up to and that you're now back in the FMD world working with GalvMed as a consultant. Can you just explain a little bit about what your role is and how you're working with the AgriResults project? Certainly and good morning to you as well Alistair. Yes it is um, quite a while since we first met and I remember first meeting you at one of the FMD meetings when I was head of WRL at Herbright. A lot of water under the bridge since then, and I'm very happy that I'm able to use my expertise now working for GalvMed as a consultant on the AgriZelts FMD Vaccine Challenge project. Obviously, that's a it's a very important project trying to bring efficacious and affordable vaccines to Eastern Africa, uh, which is a, an area which has long time had problems in uh, FMD control uh, because vaccines can be quite expensive and there's no real concerted effort to control the disease on a regional basis. Um, so my role as an industry expert for GalvMed is to consult with potential manufacturers who are called competitors in this project and um, coordinate with the, the team leader and bring the two sides together so that GalvMed and the potential competitors can discuss the issues connected with developing vaccines for the region um, and seeing them through the creation of dossiers and submission of vaccines that might be suitable for use in the region. So um, I'm monitoring progress, I'm making connections with the manufacturers, I'm the general go-between between the manufacturers and GalvMed. And I also have another role which is really dear to my heart, which is liaising with the um, FMD reference laboratories who are connected with the project, looking at obviously the surveillance within the region to see what viruses are out there and the WRL at Purbright and the other reference laboratories have done a great job in putting together a list of um, circulating strains that might be relevant for the vaccine usage. And so I'm also involved in liaising with the reference labs over that matter, which is very interesting indeed. You use the, the term competitors. I think that's uh, <laughs> you're using a slightly different, we all talk about pharmaceutical companies talk about being competitors. But you're talking, I think, using yes. the term because it's a challenge because we've got the ag results challenge. So that's where yes. the term is. One of the things I've found really nice in, over the last couple of years working in FMD is although there are different different companies and we're involved in different ways, I think we do tend to work fairly nicely together. It really is quite a good community of looking at problems and seeing what's going on, isn't it? Oh, I think I think certainly when I was um, running WRL, I think I made a very concerted effort to to get to know 
the manufacturers and the, the vaccine companies better and to understand their modus operandi because, of course, they want their vaccines to work well and we want them to work well because we're trying to control disease. And so I think we obviously both have a very similar interest in the outcome of what the manufacturers are doing, but um, perhaps there's, there's, um, there are different methodologies behind the interactions. I think it's very important that um, at the various meetings that the manufacturers and the reference labs, for instance, get together and discuss the current issues. Um, one of the failings with the FMD network is that we, we do suffer from lack of samples from some areas. And so anybody that can get information, be it a manufacturer or a reference lab, that gets information on new viruses that are coming into a region is obviously very important for everybody. Yeah, you mentioned surveillance, which is close to your heart. It's a very big part of what you're doing at Herbright. And surveillance has been, to me, a really big problem. We know where things are happening. Um, the problem is where we don't know what's happening, these cold mm. spots. And everyone focuses where we we can see disease. But actually, when neighbouring areas don't have disease, are they truly free or is there something else going on that we're just not picking up? Are you hoping to be able to improve that surveillance in Africa? I'm I'm really hoping that awareness of this project will also um, bring awareness to um, the governments for the need for better surveillance and for improved um, sample collection, for instance, and sending samples to reference laboratories. So I say one of the biggest issues is that you're, you're right, we do have, um, a, there tends to be an element concentrating on where there might be an outbreak and people concentrate on that area, but we're not sure where perhaps that might have come from or where it might be going and um, how to control it. So there's definitely an issue of not quite knowing enough about the situation to mount a properly concerted effort to control the virus. And so what we need is a better class of vaccine, which is what this project aims to produce, so that it's um, multivalent. This this vaccine will be quadrivalent. It will contain types O, A, SAT1 and SAT2, and it will be able to be used before outbreaks. So it can be used to control and protect animals from disease rather than knee-jerk reacting, um, chasing infection, which is what tends to happen a lot of the time in, in countries that aren't so well prepared for, for virus outbreaks. When you look at this, the project, the AgResults project is focusing on Africa. I think it makes sense. Let's try and sort out an area. And then when we've got some answers, we can start moving out from there and spread further. What do you see are the unique threats for Africa and for East Africa when we're talking about FMD? Well, I think I think the unique threat for the East is is the potential movement of viruses with stock and with people as they move either from the south or from the west across into East Africa. Obviously, East Africa is a in the Horn of Africa has a an enormous hub where animals are collected and sent overseas um, because they raise a higher price. And so, movement of animals through that region. Um, if you move the animals, you tend to move the diseases with them. And so, that's a very important issue to be aware of. Um, I think, as we said, lack of reporting. So there may be a lot more disease that we know about. So disease is allowed to to run unchecked and unreported. So there may be effects of disease that we're unaware of. We all know that FMD causes an awful lot of um, productivity losses and perhaps a lot of um, smallholders are just living with that disease burden rather than doing something about it or feeling that they can do something about it. And I think this project will enable those um, smallholders and it will empower them to feel that they can do something about the FMD situation in their region because they can um, turn to GalvMed and look for a, a vaccine that has been specially selected to be active in the region and to provide protection against the viruses that are circulating in the region. Use of this vaccine ought to show progress in controlling disease. And I think we'll see over the next few years if a vaccine is selected and, and utilised, 
we'll see a controlling of that disease that's never been seen in the region before. A couple of reasons, I think, why there aren't good vaccines for, for the area. Technically, slightly harder than when we're trying to control disease in Europe and everything, because we do need to get up to a quadrivalent. You've got the SAT strains as well, which are horrible <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> making vaccines. They just do not like behaving in, in nice ways. But I've always felt a big area is the, the lack of a sustainable animal health infrastructure. Without that, it's very difficult for pharmaceutical companies to come in with vaccines because you can create the best vaccine. If there's no infrastructure, then it's not going to get picked up. It's not going to get used and people don't understand what they're doing with it. Is the AgriResults project going to help with that a bit as well? I really, I really hope that it will help with with veterinary infrastructure in in countries that we're dealing with, and I think partly um, because of the political influence that FMD can have, and so governments will be consulted and will take notice that FMD is obviously a problem. It's normally put into the the too hard basket because it is an expensive disease to control. It doesn't kill a lot of animals, but it does cause a lot of production losses. And so, as I said, on many. Um, smallholder farmers live with the problem rather than control the problem. Secondly, there'll be elements of the vaccine manufacturers perhaps wanting to move into a new area. I hope this is true. In Eastern Africa particularly, the control of FMD is is outbreak to outbreak. And so very sporadic, small amounts of vaccine is being bought and used. And that's not particularly attractive, perhaps, to the manufacturers. And so with this concerted effort, I'm hoping that other manufacturers will be more interested in bringing their products to Eastern Africa and then perhaps hopefully spreading into the rest of Africa and, and can see that there will be some concerted and um, serious vaccine. I think it's a really good time for this to be happening. Looking at training in Africa, trying to increase uh, professional and paraprofessional training to again, increase that infrastructure. There's a, there's a, an element of um, the cost sharing part of this program where whereby the, the cost of the vaccine will be partially met by um, ag results so that the manufacturers and the distributors will be gaining some kind of benefit from selling the vaccine in the region. And it is hoped that some of that benefit will then be not, will be a knock-on effect from the either the manufacturers or the distributors to set up training programs and um ways to instruct people about the, the harmfulness and the uh, ability to control FMD in the region. I think that's a very important point. And something I didn't mention before about the um, veterinary infrastructure, I think it's, it's again, I, I worked closely with the OIE for, for many years, and the OIE and FAO um, have the progressive control pathway infrastructure within Africa. And so many countries are joining in, looking at ways to control FMD in a staged approach. And that's that's a very good initiative to look at. And also, of course, the OIE have the, the PVS, the, the, the veterinary control analysis of veterinary services within country, so that countries can submit their veterinary service standards to the OIE and they'll be inspected and they can be given a report which will help them improve veterinary services within country. But again, of course, these things are expensive and governments have other priorities. So I think it's definitely a role of, of our project to raise awareness to the important value in controlling FMD. Yeah, the expense is definitely one of those problems. You can see the end position and where it's going to be really helpful and stuff like FMD certainly is one of the biggest things that keeps people caught in poverty in, in Africa and in Asia. Absolutely. We can see this wonderful end point. The steps getting there are sometimes so small, the improvements, that people can't see see how it's helping and it makes it very difficult to get to. 
FMD, yes, in countries where we're free of FMD, it's easy to say, well, we can see how damaging it is if you've got a cow that's otherwise healthy and gets FMD. It's, it's really devastating. But of course, in Africa, cows have other problems and loads of other diseases, and they're not forming at the same level anyway. So the drawbacks of FMD aren't as obvious either. And people don't always understand when it is FMD. When it isn't, there are other diseases again, so education being important. I think yeah. it's good to focus on FMD. We also need to look at that overall health picture. Uh, improve that as well. I, I said at, at the beginning of this, you said it's a long time since we met, but it sounds like you you sound like me talking now, and you, you sound like you you're you're saying the same things that I've been saying for a long time. I mean, foot and mouth is very important. There's there's a westernized view of foot and mouth disease from the free countries who are trying to keep the disease out. And there's there's a lot of activity around high potency vaccines for emergency use, single dose, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's been less less activity looking at uh, suitable vaccines for endemic countries where vaccines need to be cheap, they need to be easily distributed because uh, obviously the distribution chain can be an issue as well with cold chain issues. So we need vaccines that can be used routinely in these areas and they need to show um, results. They need to work so that the people using them will keep on using them. There have been lots of issues where vaccines have failed in the field because of some kind of delivery issue where the vaccine potentially was was good for the region, but other things have happened to it on the way. And so part of the issue is making sure that the vaccines that are supplied are used correctly and are stored correctly before use, because this is an important point. We've, we've had stories where people said they've had vaccine, they vaccinated before and it didn't work. And so what's the point of using a vaccine anymore? And we have to overcome those issues as well. It takes a lot, of, it's a lot of communication I mean, it's communication from the, the smallholder farmer right the way through to government level. It's a big task, but it really is an important one for the region. And I'm confident that um, we can do that with this project. I probably sound like you because I think you were my, because you were my mentor, really. So I probably picked up an awful lot from you, which is good. I think it's really positive. <laughs> I'm really because I keep saying about, you know, foot and mouth is important to some people. But if, if you live in parts of endemic, endemic countries in Africa, you know, you've got other things. You've got to feed your children. You've got to try and send your kids to school. And, and a 20 percent reduction in milk yield is, is not even noticeable, perhaps, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. But overall, the burden is huge to sub-Saharan Africa. And if we could control that, the, the difference it would make would be enormous. Just realise where all my mantras come from. Thank you, Jeff, for letting me know that. We're very aware of this, this difference between Western culture and Eastern culture and Africa and how everything is happening there. And that's one of the reasons John, who works with me last year, sent him on the EU FMD training course in Africa. And he came back. His All his attitudes had changed when he came back. Because he was seeing it suddenly from that position, that side, and understanding the difficulties of biosecurity. It's so easy, again, when we're used to what veterinary infrastructure and everything we've got to talk about biosecurity. But when you're in Africa, you've got the pastoralists and everything, it's it's a very different challenge, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a very different challenge because, because the perception is very different. The needs of the people are very different. And so um, a subsistence farmer or a smallholder farmer in Africa is very different to a, a large dairy farm in Europe somewhere, for instance. And so the actual mindset of the people that you're dealing with is very different and their needs are are wider. Like you've said, they have many other diseases to worry about. They have all sorts of other problems with, with animal health and with the, the agricultural system in the country. It's not a nice easy package to deliver. As I say very often, FMD is a very complex disease and it needs 
a concerted effort to control. George, briefly about the strains, surveillance, I think those are a big challenge. At the moment, what are we seeing in Eastern Africa? Which strains are worrying you the most? Normally, when we look at FMD, even around the world, type O is the most common that we that we pick up, and that's um, true in Africa. There are probably two or three strains of O circulating in the, the Eastern African region. Type A, um, quite a lot of type A outbreaks. And what we've seen over the last two, three, maybe five years, a bit more of the SAT viruses, um, outbreaks from SAT1 and SAT2. Don't tend to see SAT3 very often at all, and it's normally only in buffalo, sometimes in cattle. But SAT1 and SAT2, I mean, in my, my final um, years in WRL, we had SAT2 sweep from the south right through to the north of Africa, infecting everything as it went because nobody had been vaccinating for SAT2 in the region for a long time. So there are lots of susceptible animals. I think this is one of the things we need to be aware of. Analysts going to be pre- prepared by the reference authorities will be very representative of what's in the region at the moment. And this is what we need to be protecting against. Again, going back to the vaccine bank me- mentality from Europe and from the free countries, they're looking at what might come their way from countries, but they're not really contending with a melting pot of different serotypes and different strains circulating concurrently. And I think that's what Africa faces. And we really have to be aware that um, viruses can be coming in from anywhere and at any time because of the movement of animals and people. So it's a very complicated issue to to, to work on. And I think the way this project is, has been designed using this panel of viruses will really help in identifying vaccines that are specific for the region and will actually make a difference. The SAT strains commented earlier, they've got, they don't yes, seem they to, my my gut feeling is that they do not stimulate as good an immunity as we see with the O's and the A's. I think that's true. And, and again, with a lot of foot and mouth work, there's not a lot of experimental evidence with some of these vaccine strains. And some work's been done in um, South Africa on the, the SATs. And what it appears that um, the SATs may be less stable as formulated antigens. So they may they may not maintain their structure as well as the, as the O and the A. And so they may, they may not um, store so well once they're formulated. They may be more susceptible to changes in temperature during the cold chain delivery, et cetera. But also they may just be less immunogenic. It's possible that the, um, the SAT viruses, certainly the SAT viruses could be the original foot and mouth disease viruses, for instance, and that the others have evolved from those. And it might be that the SATs have, over time, have become less immunogenic in animals and tend to sit in the animals without causing too much of a problem and so perhaps don't get noticed so much. There's a lot we don't know about the SAT viruses, but then there's a lot we don't know about all of the FMD viruses. (laughs) That's true. I think you were, I was trying to go back, I think you were still at Perbright when Nick Lyons was doing his PhD, weren't you? Yes, I was, yes. And that, that was fascinating because that based in Africa, looking at stuff, and the biggest thing I remember about that particular PhD when he did it, for the O's and the A's, you could see that the older a cow was in Africa, the higher its antibody levels after it was being vaccinated every year. But the amazing thing was that the SATs didn't show that increase in, in antibody levels, even though they were being vaccinated. And that's the bit that really, to me, brought home this thing about the immunogicity of of the SAT strains, they just don't seem to stimulate immunity at the same level, doesn't last as long. You don't get the great advantage of year after year vaccinating that you do with the A's. Oh, it's um, just my standard answer to something like that would be it's a fascinating virus and it's <laughs> nine, nine, nine kilobases, almost identical in all the serotypes. And yet we still don't know what's causing some of those some of those differences. It's it's an amazing virus. Um, and as I say, maybe, maybe it's to do with the SATs having evolved from millennia with buffalo 
and then it moving into cattle um, later on. And so perhaps some of this evolutionary change has happened in cattle. And um, the sats, if you look around the world, you don't see the sats moving very much out of Africa. The other viruses are, are very global. O's and the A's particularly, and Asia One in relatively recent times um, have done world tours. They get out and they spread and they, they compete and they compete with other viruses and they become dominant, et cetera, and they can move into different areas. We've seen that through, through Asia and through um, West Eurasia and through Europe in the early days. Bats tend to stay where they are and maybe that's because they don't have that edge to be able to be as infectious as, as the other strains. But that's only my theory. Yeah, and I think the stability you mentioned as well is important with them. Uh, we certainly find that trying, to, yeah. trying to handle them that they're really stubborn. They, I think that's that's certainly an issue for for making vaccines, for being able to grow the virus to high enough teeters, and for it to stay intact while you uh, make the vaccine is a, is a very um, important issue for the SATs. Yeah, I, I think the new technologies in vaccines that saying is going to be another seven years, but I seem to have been saying that for seven years. But we are working towards that. You know, we are working towards these new technologies, the empty capsid work and things like that. And the big part of those is increasing the stability of these virions. It's increasing yeah. the connection. I think, I think what should go hand in hand, again, I've worked on recombinant vaccines for a very long time as well in, in other diseases as well as foot and mouth. Being able to make a recombinant that's more stable but then also to be able to add um, immunostimulators to the vaccine as well at the same time can be very important. So you're trying to stimulate different um, arms of the immune response as well as administering the, the killed vaccine. That's why looking at which adjuvants we use, and it's another area of FMD that's not fully understood. Uh, we know, you know, we know that there is a humoral immunity side, but I, I'm convinced there's a cell-mediated side as well. And when we're measuring titers. We know that titers do not equal protection. There is a difference. There are a way for surveillance to see what's happening with vaccination, but they're not the same as saying an animal is protected or isn't. So we're definitely missing something in just what is the immune response really doing in these animals. Absolutely. And I think the infected animals that are recovered are very different to vaccinated animals. And there's there's a whole lot more going on in the animal. And, and again, the viruses and the, the animals are much cleverer than we'll ever be. And that's part of the problem, or, but, but part of the beauty of it all as well. I, I'm suddenly realizing we're going down a massive rabbit hole. This is <laughs> Alice in Wonderland <laughs> rabbit hole. hole. Which FMD is? It's such an interesting subject, and there are so many <laughs> aspects of it. We were trying to talk about what you're up to. What do you think the, the Ag Results Challenge, when, when it works, how do you see that really changing FMD in Africa? Okay, well, again, there are, there are two aspects. I think one is the fact that the project is going to develop mouth vaccines that are stable, potent, efficacious in the region. So they'll be able to combat the strains that we see circulating currently and hopefully into the, into the future. Secondly, I hope that it will provide a platform for improved use and sales of vaccine in the region so that we can move away from a knee-jerk, chase the outbreak vaccination strategy to let's vaccinate to protect and prevent the disease coming in the first place. I think then we'll see a move in Eastern Africa and other parts of Africa maybe where we've seen not obviously not to the same degree but in South America where control of the disease using vaccination a very concerted effort in vaccination regimes has led to improved animal health, improved farming practices but also a great improvement in the ability to export animals and so the the project overall could have a very big effect on the wealth capabilities of Eastern Africa. And I think that's a very important um, issue to address. Thanks, Jeff. I think that's a, a good place to, to wrap up such a good <laughs> project and how we're going forward. 
I really appreciate it, it. I am. I'm very excited to be involved. It is great, Alistair. It's just we, it's it's going to be getting getting people involved in the first place, and that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. So it's you know we know there are people out there that have vaccines that they want to try, and I think you've said it. We all think those of us in the business think it's it's probably too short a time scale to start from scratch. We're just hoping that I'm hoping that the testing regime is different and the people's attitudes are different, and we'll we'll find something that we can use successfully in the region and that's the that's the key to me it's we've got to show success early so that people will buy into the, the issue of using vaccines and maybe we've got to get the governments persuaded to do that yeah we're, we're going to have bad days we know we're going to have bad days days where we you know individually you're going oh this is just such a big hurdle this is a great community we've got some fantastic people you you yeah. are yeah. one of them people in the eu fmd <laughs> like keith and even say although we are competitors a number of us in different companies we all have the same desire which is to control fmd and to get rid of this disease which we believe we should be able to get rid of so when we're having those bad days it's just important to remember that we're there to support each other as well i think yeah absolutely i I find that i find the fmd community a wonderful community to work with and i've missed it and it's great to be back in it great to have you back in it thanks very much thank you very much really enjoyed chatting to you i say going down the rabbit hole it was great fun thank you very much jeff for your time i really appreciate it and i'll hopefully catch up with you again soon There's a lot more I could talk to Jeff about the whole subject of FMD. So I'm really hoping I'll get him back as another point and we can carry that conversation on. But shortly after that conversation with Jeff, they sent out the panel of reference antigens they would be looking at for the AgResults FMD project. This antigen panel is 16 different isolates that are important for the whole area within East Africa. Looking at Burundi, Democratic Republic of Congo, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Kenya, Rwanda, Somalia, South Sudan, Tanzania and Uganda. They've looked at O's, A's, SAT1s and SAT2s as Jeff said. Specifically they're looking at the OEA2s, OEA3s and OEA4s and then for the A serotype they're looking at Africa G1 and Africa G4. Then they're looking at the SAT1 lineage 1 and SAT2 lineage 4 and also SAT2 lineage 7. This whole panel therefore is representative of the area and what is going to be needed in the vaccine that comes up. I'm not going to name the 16 different ones that are actually there. They're the significant ones if you want to look at them. If you go to the WRL FMD website which is at www.wrlfmd.org And if you do a search for Africa reference antigen, then you'll get the document that gives you all of that information. So you can see how they come about, what they need, what they're interested in, and what they want our vaccines to actually protect against. It's a really useful document that gives us a good target for what we need to do. Thank you for listening. It's been great to have you along and I hope that we'll be able to join again soon. In the meantime, stay safe. Goodbye.